Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible. We're reading it together and one chapter at a time. And so we last time we're looking at Isaiah chapter 16. We're concluding that two-part oracle against Moab. And so now we would be moving on in Isaiah. I think it's like Damascus or something next. But we're going to do a psalm first. You know, I mean, Isaiah is great, but you know, you got to break up all of these um, these oracles of judgment a little bit, right? You know, and so you got Psalm 25 today. And Psalm 25 is a is is a great one. It's one that I think I'm not sure if it stands out in our memories as well as maybe some of the others, but it is a fairly familiar psalm. It's one that's used every year in the lectionary, sometimes on some very important days and um, you know, I mean, for, for me, the, uh, the one that stands out, the verses here are four and five, make me to know your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, lots of things in here for this, um, special Psalm of David and joining us, you know, it is, it is uh, a Monday, early Monday in the month here, and it's a Psalm. So you might've guessed it. It's Pastor Kevin Parvey is joining us and he's actually in the studio at KFUO. Good morning. Welcome back, brother. Looking forward to to taking a look at this with you. Good morning, AJ. It's good to be here. Yeah, and we were just uh, chatting before the show, and so I, I got to wish you here on the air here, uh, you and your wife, Colleen, a happy anniversary. How many years? Oh, way too many. 40, yeah. <laughs> 40 is a good number, though. It's a time of preparation, so we'll see what God is preparing us for after 40. Very good. But yeah, just um, that, that's beautiful celebrating that this week, and then um, yes, and I was just and Kevin, I was just sharing with you that we um, we just had we welcomed uh, another Espinosa onto uh, this side of the womb that's yesterday. Exciting, yeah. uh, little Elizabeth, um, born born to my sister yesterday. Congratulations, and we're all very happy about that as well. Some family celebrations here, um, and. Well, I don't, I don't know how to necessarily segue that. I don't know if this, uh, this psalm really has much to do with family per se. It's a, it's a psalm of asking for deliverance. <laughs> I mean, it may, it may actually have something to do with family. We can't really date this psalm, but the tenor of it sure sounds like David after Absalom's rebellion. So, well, it could through that way. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and Sometimes praise God. Family is not always a joy, right? That that's right. That's right. So, but we, we praise God because right now when, when family is a joy and you're celebrating Amen. and you've got lots of good things. Um, and then, and then also to, today, the other, the other exciting thing in the, the family is actually my, my younger sister, Catherine is getting married. Ooh, and so just a lot. Yeah. yeah. Just thank you. Just joy to joy here. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They are so, living there in the South Southern California area. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. Yep, yep. Yep. Everybody all like out here. It's really, we're very blessed that we're, that we're all close out here. And, uh, yeah. So just celebrating lots of God's goodness here. Um, I will say that it is interesting. The, the form of this psalm is, um, is one that often gets used in celebratory contexts. Um, and that is, it is an acrostic. It is one of these, um, psalms that starts with each succeeding verse, starts with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And I, I think, aren't these typically uh, isn't that a form is typically used of like kind of uh, joyful psalms or um, perhaps I'm just 
thinking I mean, maybe a lot of them are, but that's not really a real pattern. Yeah, I mean, the acrostic tradition, some argue it might be mnemonic, but if it was merely mnemonic, it would be, uh, there'd be a lot more. <laughs> right. But, um, but uh, you know, it, it's funny because this is a great psalm for this time of year for the Jewish people because we're in the midst of the season of the Days of Awe. Tomorrow evening is Yom Kippur. Mm. Uh, and uh, there's an acrostic confession called Vidui that we use that enumerates sins by the same Aleph Tav, you know, the, mm. the alphabet. And of course, our, our English, I've, I've often wondered if, if we could, you know, still stay true to the English text and still make them acrostic. I've kind of played with them. It's a little harder than it looks. But we have, you know, in yeah. our, in our English translation of Vidui, we, we do do an enumeration of sins from A to Z. Right. Uh, and so it's it becomes sort of uh, uh, I mean it's 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 almost a completion thing in a sense. Yeah. And th- you know this is a psalm of desiring forgiveness, praising God. I mean, there's a lot of confessional language in Psalm 25 as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not thir- you know it's not completely um, celebratory. Um, yeah. And so but- it's hard to say. Yeah, but what you were saying there, I mean, I mean, definitely that, that is the point though, of the acrostic um, poem or the acrostic psalm. It's the idea of of completion, and, and this is a very well rounded psalm in that respect. Mm-hmm. It's not focusing just on forgiveness of sins, but also, but like for the rescue from affliction and, and from enemies. And it's not just even those things, but it's a confession of of faith here. Yeah, um, and desire so, for teaching. And, yeah, yeah so it's kind of got like a little, a little bit of a lot of different things. And so maybe that kind of, you know, A to Z or Olive to Tav kind of approach, as you were saying, is something in there, just t- thinking about the fullness of God. And it's kind of hard not to think about the Alpha and the Omega. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when Jesus says that four times in Revelation, you know, I am the first and the last, and there's just this completeness about it that I think right. this kind of psalm uh, sort of emulates. Right. I did notice, though, looking at the uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that the the Greek translators did not try to go Aleph, Bet, um, or, or, or Alpha, Alpha, Beta, beta gamma, yeah. <laughs> and through all the rest, all the way to Omega. They, yeah. they did not attempt. It, it probably it would have been very challenging. Yeah, yeah. This is bad in English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But, yeah, well, so, yeah, but let, let's t- let's take a look at this, and actually, we'll, we'll, we'll have to consider that the the acrostic nature of it just in the first couple of verses already a little bit but before we get into it would you say a prayer for us and for everybody listening today absolutely thank you abba father we thank and praise you for this day and this opportunity through this uh, wonderful medium of radio and the internet to uh, speak to the hearts of many who may be listening today and especially for our Jewish people who this this season are considering their own sins and the forgiveness that seems so elusive. We pray, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you would raise up your church to speak truth that they would discover, too, that their sins have been paid for through Yeshua, who we pray in his name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. All right. Well, let's go ahead and read maybe just, it is a little bit longer, so it might be good just to go ahead and go this one bit by bit, but maybe the first like two verses, because there's an interesting kind of like connection between the two and, and some parallels here. So just taking a small chunk here. So remembering that the title is part of the Psalm of David to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God in you, I trust. 
Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. All right. So looking at these first two verses, the, one of the things that, that struck my eye, um, and this is something that commentators note, is that if this is an acrostic poem, it seems like we've already gotten off on the wrong foot because <laughs> the, the, the very first um, part of, of that that line there, you know, to you, that does start with all of the first letter. At, but, yeah. Yeah, but but then in verse two, it also starts with Aleph um, mm-hmm. and and Elohai, my God. So, um, what what's going on over there? And also, there's something very similar about these two verses, right? To you or in you. So, uh, your your thoughts. Well, number one, the uh, verse verse numbers are always um, something ne- not necessarily be attributed to. So look for the bait. Yep. But but the et is the interesting the way it starts because et is aleph tav, which is the alpha and the omega. It is the beginning and the end, and uh, and so I always find that interesting here too. But of course, as the commentators have also said, this is this is David offering himself and offering his life. And more than his life, his soul. Uh, so there's the, right at the very beginning, the first thing that we do is we recognize Yahweh and we offer ourselves to him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and um, I, I think that, that what's noteworthy, I mean, you, you could say that it's maybe just, you know, artificial because we're just, you know, the poetry demands that an olive come first. Yeah. But, but it does seem interesting that it starts off with, to you. Um, o Lord, uh, which is, and it's actually the divine name here, Yahweh. Um, I, I lift up my soul. And then again, in you, or, um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's the way you translate it even in English too, with the, with the bait there, you know, right. in you, I trust. There seems to be that kind of, um, emphasis of exclusivity, exclusivity that, when he's saying that, it's it's not just you know because he wants the olive and the bet to come first, but because he's actually saying, "You're the one I trust in. You're the one that I, um, you know, like you said, like offer my whole self to." Which is to say, not all the other gods that people are worshiping, not all the other sources of power. I mean, we've been talking about that a lot in Isaiah about how the the problem with with the kings who followed in David's line is that they were entrusting themselves to Assyria and their gods or Egypt and their gods. Um, But David here saying, no, none of that. I'm entrusting myself to the one true God. Yeah, and I've always read that first verse as, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, O my God. And I guess that's Mm -hmm. why, because of the acrostic, it almost forces it, I suppose. Um, And, of course, there's no punctuation in the Hebrew, so you kind of have to look for the... Um, although in the in the scrolls they are offset, so it's it's fine the way it is, but it is it is a, a repetition. There is a book ending that goes there between the divine name of God and then God the Elohim. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know that, that's true. No, I think I think you're right actually. So I was gonna like say about that. If you actually look at the Septuagint, the Septuagint's actually pointing to that because in verse two of the Greek, it actually just starts off with like. Um, in you, I trust. Um, it puts that my God part actually belonging in verse one. Right. So I, I, I think you're right that that's the right way to read that probably. And it's probably just a matter of, um, you know, things got, like you said, like, you know, the, those verse numbers got added later and maybe didn't get put in the best spot. 
But th that is interesting then that you would have both names for God in the very first verse, which is underscores the point we're making, um, that his, that his God, David's God is Yahweh and no one else that we're being very clear about who God is. And this is like Luther's insight. Like you're not going to get anything else right if you don't start with the first commandment and recognize mm -hmm. who your God is. And then of course we can always make a lot of hash out of the Elohim, which is the plural, uh, and yet singular. So, I mean, you know, what are we going to do with that except for recognize his triunity as well? Mm -hmm. Certainly. Well, okay. So let's, let's take a look then at verse three. So this is maybe where we get a little bit more insight into what the situation is here. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. All right. So like this is this is the verse that introduces the idea um, like a little bit a little bit more um, specificity here. Right. Because we saw that in verse two a little a little bit anyway. Let me not be put to shame. Let my enemies not exalt over me. So there's an idea of enemies. But now we're talking a little bit more precisely. There are these enemies, these people who are being treacherous, which was maybe where you brought in the idea of Absalom. Yeah, right. I mean, you get the sense that this is very personal for David, in, especially right. in that text in, in three. Mm -hmm. that there's, there's some, the, the problem is, is not just, um, and well, and we're, we're going to see it too, that he can, he connects it to his own, his own sin, but that there's particularly these enemies who maybe used to be friends, someone, someone who has backstabbed him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we look, if we, if we set this at Absalom's rebellion, which we can't categorically, but, um, if you look at that, that sequence in Samuel, I mean, David does sin. It's, you know, my wife actually made this point to me because she's always all about family in that he really doesn't deal with Tamar and all of that that goes on in that mm -hmm. very well as father and head of family. And that's sort of what leads Absalom to obviously ultimately rebelling. Right. No, that, that that's true. And, and you see that um, consistently in Scripture, that when the person who is given authority doesn't deal with the situation the right way um, and, and someone else needs to kind of step up and deal with it, that, that never ends well. I yeah, mean, in some ways yeah. you can go all the way back to Genesis, right? Yeah, that, exactly. You know, there's Adam and Eve standing there, and Adam should have been like, uh, hey, serpent, um, you can just keep all of that tree of knowledge of good and evil to yourself. Um, yeah. That's not for us. You can you can eat, eat, you can you know eat, chomp away. You know, have that all to yourself. Um, but he didn't say that. He didn't do that. And um, unfortunately, because Eve then stepped up to say something, that you know things went wrong. Yeah, I'm convinced that if when Eve brought the fruit to Adam, if he would have said, "Drop it. Let's go talk to God." Um, that that they would have confessed right there, and God would have forgiven them, and the garden would have continued. Right. But instead, he blames it on her and on God, and doesn't take any responsibility for himself. Right. So this this situation, perhaps, if if this is referring to Absalom, that idea that you know David, because of of David's own lack of action, because of his own lack of of leadership. Because, um, you know, perhaps of, of a moment of trusting in something else, maybe trusting in his own uh, reputation or his own standing with people, something that the sorts of things that hold us back from doing the right thing sometimes because we're worried about something 
that's not God because we're worrying about pleasing an idol in our hearts. Uh, perhaps there is a kind of parallel situation then. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure you've, you've wrestled with this, AJ, as a pastor. I have as well. I mean, David's kingship is, is, a priestly kingship, right? I mean, he is—he mm-hmm. has a pastoral responsibility for his flock, which happens to be an entire kingdom. But his first, his first pastoral role is to his family, and we mm-hmm. often, unfortunately, because of the you know, and it becomes a stereotype, but because of the challenges of ministry, often sacrifice our families to our parishes and whatever it is that we do, and we dare not do that. Right? No, I mean that's. It's it's the hazard of of um, I suppose the pastoral office being uh, so I guess maybe in some ways professionalized in the same way that kind of every other occupation yeah, is yeah. that we kind of just kind of all collectively all of us regardless of whether we're uh, pastors or laity kind of fall into this careerist trap of you know uh, hey it's just you know you got you got to do what the job demands and you know, we'll kind of have the leftovers and the crumbs for the family. And that's just really the opposite way. Uh, yeah, it's just putting everything kind of the cart before the horse, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, so we just looked at, you know, um, A, B, and C. I'll, I'll have a bit gimmel here. So let's look at the next two verses here. I already mentioned them. I really like these ones. Yeah. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. So something very similar there in the end. It's 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 for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait. So this kind of like it's you and no one else. But we've we've brought in the idea of of teaching here in His ways, and and that and it's a little bit of a new idea compared to the first few verses. Yeah, I mean he's he is. I mean this is this is the ongoing and never-ending study of God and his word. I mean, it is even no matter when David penned this psalm, you're never too old to want to sit before God and spend your days learning from him. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I mean, and David himself, you know, says in a number of psalms, you know, like, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. You know, I mean, it's just that you, you, you never... You never exhaust learning God's ways. It's not like, okay, well, God's way is just right over there. You know, it's the it's the very clearly identified yellow brick road, and right, so yeah. just there it is, right? Um, like, there's just there's always, always, always throughout life, just these different ways where you realize. Um, I don't know that there's there's so many ways to go astray, and that we've we've strayed so often more than we more than we realize. Only in hindsight do we realize, okay, here I thought I was on the way of God, and all this time I wasn't. Yeah, and also it's amazing to me how, I mean, I I'm 62, and uh, I we're doing the Book of Daniel in our early in our Sunday morning Bible study, mm. and I read chapter two yesterday. And suddenly realized something new that I had read it many times before, and I, I think I had sort of some rabbinic interpretation stuck in my head from maybe my upbringing or whatever. But it's, it was a, it was a totally new revelation for me, and it was a joy, although it was a little bit embarrassing, because uh, I, I, you know, I'm supposed to be the guy that knows it all, but I'm like David, teach me your ways, old Lord. I don't know, and uh, and and it's amazing how when you approach the scriptures that way as a vessel to be filled new new things come to you 
Yeah, no, that, that's right. Well, no, actually, I mean, it reminds me of just, um, so actually I was, I was recording, um, sharper iron with uh, pastor Timothy Apple, and that's going to be aired on Wednesday, I think, but we were talking about, um, so this is like spoiler alert. We were talking about when, um, Moses comes down the mountain the second time and his face is shining. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we're talking about that and something that he brought up that I'm not sure I'd considered before was, well, was his face shining the first time that he came down the mountain? And I was like, Huh? Yeah. Hadn't thought about that. And so it was actually very interesting. And so if, if, if anyone, if uh, anyone listening does want to check that out on Wednesday, that will be aired and uh, you can check out that podcast with sharper iron there. So the two of us kind of doing another one of our crossover episodes and yeah, we kind of wrestled with that and kind of thought about, Hmm, I wonder, you know? And so, uh, of course, now you got me really, really curious about what this was in Daniel too. Cause we just did Daniel yeah. like, like a month or two ago. Uh, do you really want to go there? <laughs> take that one, take the you can whole tell hour. me. You can tell me. You can tell me. You can tell me later. It's fine. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's go ahead and take a look at the next few verses here. Six and seven. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. All right. So. Um, so this, this is interesting here. You've got, uh, the, the, the poetry continues on, you know, letter by letter here. Um, the, 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 the phrase that always catches my eye is the, the sins of my youth, right? Because I, because mm-hmm. I feel like, um, in, in our culture, uh, the phrase youthful indiscretions, yeah. um, is a, is a, is a, is a common one. And I suppose and who doesn't have those? Uh, yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and so I, but, but so, so that's the thing though, right? I think that we, we, the way we look at that is we sort of like, well, you know, um, y- this is, this is how kids are going to be. They're going to, you know, run a little wild, you know, there's that whole, like, so some wild oats thing. And so there's this thought that like, it's like, it's, yeah, yeah it, it, that, it's, but the thing is we kind of, I guess our reaction is like, ah, eh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's like, you know, you do a little bit of wandering, but so that you can find the true path or I don't know, we were kind of rationalize it like it's no big deal. But is that what David is talking about here? Is that how, how David's looking at this youthful sin? Well, I, you know, I've always read these verses and of course I'm, again, I'm always open to another interpretation. Um, but you know, he, he's calling the Lord to remember to, to, to the Lord's memory, right? Which is, I mean, he must have, he has, he, he knows all things. And he says, remember your mercy from the days of old, from the very beginning, the garden, we talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. Remember your mercy. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. So that uncovers his youthful sins and up to the, to the point of writing this psalm. And then, of course, every day thereafter. And then he says, according to your steadfast love, remember me. You know me as me, not from my sins, not from anything other than me. And he and keep in mind he he brought he began this with I lift up my soul to you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we are tempted to look at people as uh the sum total of their sins. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's what David is saying is don't remember me because of the things that I've done. Remember me, you know, look into my heart. And uh, and and then he has this plea of forgiveness, of course. But uh, I really think he's he's just hoping against hope, and yet in sureness of God's mercy, 
that he is not on a balance. You know, at this time of year when we, as Jewish people, and of course this, you know, it's hard to know how modern traditions were influenced by ancient practices. But, you know, we Jews have always seen themselves on a balance, Mm-hmm. You know, and and this time of year, we're trying to balance out all the things, all the things we've done wrong over the course of the last year, mm-hmm. and and David is saying, don't look at that stuff. I mean, just look at me. Yeah, well, and that's such a uh, that's such a deep point. We got to say a little bit more about that, but we have to go into our break for right now. But everybody, hang with us. We're looking at Psalm twenty five here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233. 800-843-5233. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Starting last year, Planned Parenthood began a stealth building project near St. Louis. Using a shell company to hide its true purpose, the 18,000-square-foot abortion facility opens this month. How did it happen, and what can pro-life forces do is the topic of this week's World Lutheran News Digest, Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 25, and we're joined today by Pastor Kevin Parviz, pastor of Congregation Chayva Shalom in St. Louis in the Dogtown neighborhood. A charming little place if you've been there, right across the street from a place where you can get some really good burgers and beverage. Absolutely. Using some uh, alliteration there as we look at this acrostic <laughs> poem here in Psalm 25. And uh, yeah, you know, this is this is one of these where we, we were just saying that because it is acrostic and it goes from, you know, the very beginning of the Hebrew alphabet with Aleph all the way to the end with Tau or Tav, depending on how you say it. It is very complete. And there's a lot of things that we think of uh, in connection to this psalm. So if, you, if you're thinking of something, if something's uh, connections coming out to you, if you have a question, any questions or comments for Psalm 25 here, you're listening live. Perhaps if you're in Dogtown, you want to call... 
314-821-0850. Or perhaps if you're out on the West Coast like me, 1-800-730-2727. Or as always, an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. So we were just looking at verses, what were they? Was it four and five? Six and, six, six six and seven. seven. That's yeah. right. That's right. And yeah, that, that is, that is so interesting how, you know, he does say at the end of all of that, you know, remember, remember your mercy. Remember not the sins of my youth. And that's actually the way the, 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 the way the sentence begins is the sins of my youth. Um, remember not. Yeah. And, exactly. And that, and that might be just because he's trying to make the acrostic work, but, um, there, there might be something, uh, I, I want to suggest something actually that maybe it's not just for the sake of the acrostic. Um, but then the point that you were making though, then he says, remember me. Right, like me, not not the stuff that I've done. Don't remember me just as a kind of a, a list of of violations, as a list of sins, as like kind of a ledger with a, either a balance in the black or in the red. But me, and, and and that's it's so interesting because how does he frame who he really is? It's according to the steadfast love of God and according to the goodness of God, which is which is to say, really, I, mean, I feel like. When he's boiling it all down, he's saying, like, who who is David? He, he's not a guy who did things, um, whether good or bad. He, he's not a, a king. He's not a, a guy of a certain standing. Ultimately, he's he's banking it all on he is a the, the, the beloved creation of the creator. He is a beloved child of God. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, the thing that gives him worth and value is... God's love for him and his grace. That's an incredible thing to remember for all of us because we, how many, I mean, especially these days, how often do we try to justify ourselves, justify ourselves by things? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is only in our identity as beloved child of God, forgiven by, right. you know, by Christ, um, that, that we are, that's our only real identity that, that holds and you know these fall festivals that we mark as part of our congregation we look at this the 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 spring festivals we see as the the um sort of first coming of christ and then this the fall Mm -hmm. festivals we see as the second coming looking forward to the second coming and when all is said and done uh, when we come into the judgment room of, of our Lord, he's going to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he's going to see us not for the things we've done, but for who we are. Right. Well, I mean, we just had yesterday in Luke 17, right? Um, when, in the discussion of if you have faith the size of a mustard yeah. seed, right? And, and what is and what does he say? He gives this analogy, right, of, of the servants, this parable, and he says, you know, like what, what master, you know, like, you, you know, has the servants come in at the end of the day and, and he's like, wow, you did such a good job. Like, come have dinner with me. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You've done me such a favor. Uh, like, he says, no, the servant says like, okay, well, you know, take off your work clothes and put on your serving clothes and like fix me something to eat now. I mean, like, you know, like you're, you're still working. <laughs> yeah. And I love that he's talking to people who are not masters, but servants, right? Well, ex- exactly. Yeah. Cause that's his point then yeah. he says, so when you have done you're, when you're done serving God, right? Don't expect some like, you know, like commendation. Like God's going to be like, Oh, thank you so Good much. You've you. done me such yeah. a favor. You really got so me out of a jam there. Yeah. You're just doing your job and we should humbly say as much. And so all the stuff, all the amazing and impressive things that David's done, 
He's just doing his job. He's just doing the stuff that God has given him to do. Yeah, and he knows it. That's right, and and so this is so this is kind of tying it all together. Then, like who we are, you know, we can only exist because of 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 memory, right? This is an interesting thing that's um it's been the subject of lots of very interesting stories. But like when someone wakes up in a in um with an amnesia, right? Oh, sure, yeah. It, it's like they're it's like they're a whole different person. If you can't remember right your past. Um, then, then like kind of what's left of you then, right? You know, we, we, we need our past. We need memory. It's, it's key to who we are when we're considering this, like, you know, who, who am I when you boil it all down? And so it makes sense. Um, when, when David is asking that God would remember, um, if, if who he is, is really founded in this idea of him being a creation of God and a child of God, he needs God to remember that. But if God's going to start remembering things, it's like, uh Oh, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Right. Cause if he's going to start remembering things, he's going to remember what things like the sins that he's committed in the past. And so is, isn't that just the thing that's so fascinating? The whole idea that God remembers is by itself a scary idea. If it were not for grace. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you bring up this entertainment trope of the person who gets amnesia. Mm. Because, you know, as I think about that, rarely, I can't think of one, I don't want to be, you know, you know, stand on this, but rarely is the person who has amnesia substantially different than the person they were with their memories. Mm. And that's that's kind of interesting, especially when you think about God, who literally sets aside, and I don't think that that's probably the producer's point. I just think right. it's an interesting thing, but he sets aside his memories of us for yeah. the sake of his love for us. He is substantially, substantively no different with or without those memories of us. He is a loving God. Right. Well, it's not, it's not as if we need our sins to be remembered by God, to be like who we really are. It, yeah. it is not as if, um, he knows you know, like are, yeah. our, our fallenness makes us more, it makes us less really right. of, of who we are. Absolutely. All right. Well, so let's go on. Um, so we keep moving through the alphabet here. We get up to, to Tate here. So this is verse eight and take the next, uh, say three verses. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. All right, so so these verses now um, are, are, are interesting because after he just got done saying like, hey, don't, don't, don't um, remember me according to the, the things I've done, but according to your grace, there is this turn of talking about that God is good and gracious and upright and all this to those who are humble, to those who who keep His covenant. So, what, why I get? I guess I'm wondering here. So, what's the what's the connection here? How does this kind of make sense? Before it's sort of like, you know, God, I'm asking you to be for uh, forgiving and gracious to me, kind of regardless of the things I've done. But this kind of sounds a little bit more like you know, uh, God is going to be gracious and good, kind of depending on who you are. Well, you know, and I look at this this section, and there's a shift in voice here, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost as if wherever David is penning this, I'm sitting next to him. And he's giving, he's talking to the Lord, in the, in the, and then he shifts and turns to me. And he's given mm -hmm. us all of this uh, business about teach me, and then he turns to teach me. Right. And... uh 
And so he's asking the Lord to teach him and then turns to me and so, and then teaches me about the Lord's covenant. And, and what is it to keep his covenant and his testimonies? Um, it isn't the enumerative laws that we have to keep and constantly break, but it is the steadfast love of the Lord, which I think always goes to, I mean, there's never been a time in the history of David or the time of God's people where there hasn't been a promise that he will overcome death and destruction and he will save us. Right, right. No, I think I think you're right. Uh, that's you have to notice the the shift there. I mean, and it's so interesting because in verse eleven, then we're going to shift back. Right, and he's back um, and forth by that time. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. So, like here, we 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 shift into this third person, and so what is this except for to to try to teach or encourage us? Then, and so as he's teaching and encouraging us, it is it is interesting that he, there's three different ways of of describing us now. Um, the last one is, you know, those who keep the covenant and the testimonies. Um, the, 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 the second one there is those who are humble. And the first one though is, um, sinners. sinners yeah. Right. I mean, it isn't, so isn't that interesting that, you know, lest we get big heads and say like, well, we're the ones who keep the covenant and the testimonies, right? Um, if, if you're that, these things are in parallel. That means you're also a sinner. Right. The ones who broken so, the covenants and the testimonies. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you're only, you're only keeping it because of, of God's grace. That's the only way that yeah. that's even remotely true. And and so this reminds me of, you know, we were talking about Isaiah, about how there's those, um, there's those few, it's a small remnant after the Assyrians have done, are done having their way with them. But there are a few, even in the North who go down and accept Hezekiah's invitation and go and keep the Passover down in the South that it, it says those who are humble, um, because it's, it's only the humble that are willing to receive God's God's forgiveness and God's correction. The proud say, you know, for, forget you, forget your God. And like the others who were in the north, they just laughed at Hezekiah's emissaries. Well, and even in even in in our context, when you live your life believing somehow by some interpretation of the law that you can keep it. Where's the humility in that? Right. That's total. That's that's deistic secular humanism essentially, uh, and if, right. you know we can do this if we just interpret these rightly. Well, right, and 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 then if you if you think that you know you can just kind of keep all these moral principles yourself and you're getting along fine on your own steam, yeah. as uh, C.S. Lewis likes to say, um, then then what's it matter when someone comes to you and says like, well, accept Jesus and you know he will forgive uh, your sins and be your savior? You're like, I don't really need a, a Jesus to forgive my sins and be my savior. I'm yeah. doing very well on my own. Thank you very much. And unfortunately, that's the condition I find. Um so many who I minister to in in the Jewish mm-hmm. community is that that the rabbis are busy interpreting the law to to give us the delusion that we can keep it, and so right. we don't need salvation, we don't need atonement, we don't, you know, and that's it's a sad sad state. It's not that not just Jewish people who are in that state, right? But I mean, here it is, King David, right, of yeah. all people, just confessing, 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 and so I mean, you know, I I mean, I, I told people. I, when we're looking at Isaiah six, right? Isaiah's like, "Woe is me, I'm dead." I mean, yeah. if we think that maybe we're just like maybe at least maybe a hair less pious than David and Isaiah, perhaps we shouldn't be so proud, yeah, right? Amen. Maybe we yeah. should. That maybe our pride should give us a little bit of pause. Um, well, let's let's go ahead here. The, the next section here is a, is a little bit 
longer here. I think these these five verses all kind of like go together here, kind of shifting back now, as you as we were just talking about shifting and turning to kind of talking to God again a little bit more. Verse eleven: For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. All right, so yeah, like like we saw, like a little bit of the back and forth already. You go back mm-hmm. on to verse 11, kind of talking to God, and verse 12, it's kind of back to, you know, we're, we're kind of like teaching and encouraging again, but like all of these things all together, there's this connection between God pardoning guilt and also rescuing from adversity. And the two seem to like always go together Mm -hmm. with David, don't they? Well, I think it's adversity that so often leads us into the guilt of sin. Right. You know, we will do anything to get out of trouble. Mm, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, no, that's that's very true. Well, yeah, no, I mean, so there's so many, I mean, there's so many ways that these things are connected. That That's yeah. one, right? Yeah. That like, it's when we're in the corner and, and we're, we're back to the corner or when the chips are low, right? That's when we start making these compromises and yeah. doing these things that we really shouldn't be doing. That's, that's one connection. Another one is it's when things finally go wrong um, and, and we realize that we can't, we're not just be able to make it on our own, that we finally realize, hmm, uh, yeah, I, I've I've messed up. I I can't pretend <laughs> I can't pretend that I'm gonna get this all right. I can't pretend that I'm fine on my own. And we finally have the the humility to yep. to ask. I mean, is when is when things go wrong, right? And the first thing we ask is, "Forgive me, Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon mm-hmm. my guilt, for it is great." Well, yeah. well, right. And 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 then I guess maybe the th- the third connection, perhaps, is that, and this is related to, of course, to the other two, is that. Is that we we see when things everything starts going wrong, we're like, oh, I'm the one who got myself into this yeah. mess, didn't I? Finally. You know, yeah. and, and we and we and we realize when things go wrong that like, oh, like I I'm not doing as well as I thought I was. You know, I'm not I don't have as much self control as I thought I did, or all the rest of it. Right? That we we see our our calamity and our misfortune. Um, not not as literally misfortune, just kind of like oh, you know, fate hasn't smiled on me today. But it, this is a direct result, and in some ways, is is a punishment um, for what I've done. Yeah, and it's kind of funny the old adage he made his bed now he has to lie in it. Mm-hmm. We rarely say that in the first person, <laughs> but we do sometimes have to come to that point. Yeah, well, no, that yeah, it's exactly, and 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 the thing is, like we were talking about in the case of you know. Um, Absalom's treachery, which is interesting because he says in verse 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. So, you know, friendship, again, not yeah. being like, you know, warm fuzzies necessarily, but that idea of, um, you know, a, a trusted ally, someone who's on your side, who's not going to betray you, yeah. for example, right? Um, that that would definitely be something on David's mind is like, well, this is a punishment for my sin, both in terms of you know what you suggested, Kevin, earlier about how you know, did David fail to act when it came to giving uh, Tamar justice, right? Yeah. Um, but of course, going all the way back to just the sin with Bathsheba, right? Because yeah. I mean, that was when the prophet said, "The sword will never depart from your house." Yeah. 
And we just, uh, unfortunately, I have uh, two young ladies in catechism right now. And fortunately, I have their parents join us when I do catechism. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we did the Sixth Commandment. I was so grateful for parents. And, of course, we talked a lot about David and Bathsheba. Oh, right. I know, certainly. There's all that trickle down. It's just terrible. It really, it really is something. How I mean, just think about like how much of the Old Testament is is devoted to David, just in terms of both like the Psalms and and what you read in like the books of um, you know history, and, and just all of that, and then just how much what portion of that then, in some way or another, just gets traced back to that one sin. Yeah. yeah. Which I think uh, one of the fathers in there said it started with the ninth, breaking the ninth commandment, went to the mm. sixth commandment, ended up in the fifth commandment. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he's breaking all these, you know. Right. It's a nice no, enumeration. That, that, no, that's right. That's right. Well, it kind of just back to where we started, right? You know, with, with like verse one being that, you know, very, you know, just very complete look at, you know, hey, if it if it's not going to be God, um, from A to Z, if you're not starting at the very beginning, um, and, and he is not, you know, your everything, then it, you know, if the first commandment's not right, then all the other commandments, they just fall down like dominoes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, let, let's go ahead here, um, since we are kind of coming already here to the um, the last maybe 10 minutes or so, let's go ahead and, and read the, the last chunk of, of, the, of this, this whole chapter, this whole psalm here. And that'll give us some time to both make some um, observations on the last portion here and then maybe to make some broader connections. Mm-hmm. All right. So taking a look now, we left it off at verse 15. So this is 16 here to the end. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let not, let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all his troubles. So, I mean, there's um, there's there's a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of things going on here. I mean, I think that in the first part, like with 16 through 18, there's kind of, again, that connection that by by God rescuing or forgiving um, from sins, that, that, that entails rescuing from the trouble connected to the sins. It, it, it's not like just, well, just forgive me on a spiritual level and just kind of let the physical just kind of whatever, you know, I've made my bed, right? He's asking, for, the, the two always get tied together. And we, so we're talking about that a little bit, and there's maybe more that could be said. But the thing that really strikes me is at the very end, yeah. how he's asking for deliverance for himself, but then it gets bigger and he says, redeem Israel, oh God. So, I mean, there he is. And it's like, I mean, I, I feel like the effect of this is, God, if you rescue me, that entails rescuing your whole people because I stand for the whole people. Yeah. And in some sense in our earlier sort of discussion, this is, uh, if, if again, this is Absalom's rebellion, he's, he's all of this, this repentance and pouring out and and the loneliness that comes from that, uh, that sin often drives us to being alone. Uh, and then he remembers the parish that he's been given responsibility for as well. Right. And so, and, and that's, you know, that is, 
um, an, an important thing for David from a pastoral perspective. And he is, after all, a shepherd king. So, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. I mean, it, it is um, because, I mean, this is the conclusion, right? Because at verse 22 there, I, I don't think uh, we're doing the acrostic anymore. The acrostic's already done yeah, at that point, yeah. right? I think the, the last, you, you get the, the, the Tav there, it's in verse 21, right? With um, in, uh, uprightness and integrity. Right. Right. So in, in some ways, the acrostic's already done. And so verse 22 is just this like summary statement of the whole thing. Right. And so in some ways, it matches back up with the very beginning where it says of David. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so it's this it's this realization, um, like you were saying, as a shepherd king, if anything is of David, it's not just of David. Mm. It's of the whole people of Israel. I mean, that's what the shepherd king does. He he represents the whole people um, before God. That kind of you know priestly aspect of being king. And in like all, and this is the first place in this psalm where we see redemption. Mm. And uh, again, that's that's comes from the very beginning. I you know I give you my soul. I lift up my soul to you. And then he has all of this language of the of the people. And then, but it's always in the context of the promise of redemption. That God has already given, right? No, I mean certainly you could connect everything going on here. Um, I mean all these different descriptions as descriptions of redemption, right? But it is interesting that this is the first time that that it's that it's used, and um, and, and it's it's interesting. Just I mean when you think about it, you know, yeah, all these different ways that he has been talking about it, these are all just things of redemption. I mean, the, from the very beginning. When he was saying, you know, to you, O Lord, to lift up my soul, O my God, in you I trust, all that language is like, well, the reason why that relationship exists is because God has redeemed, yeah. you know, in a sense, he has purchased us. And so that's why we are his. That That's why we're his people who who talk to him this way. Um, I mean, that that we, could, we couldn't even be in a position to be talking to him and to be asking him these things um, if he hadn't already made us his own. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, tomorrow evening on, on the era of Yom Kippur, when we do the vidui, this this enumeration of all these sins, I have the privilege of being able to speak absolution, uh, which isn't heard in the synagogue. And this is almost David proclaiming absolution. Hmm. I mean, I, I see this as uh, as an acrostic of confession and absolution. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, no, I mean, certainly that's the, um, I mean, that's, that's what you see there. I mean, like throughout, I mean, he echoes it again, right? In, yeah. in verse 20, let me not be put to shame. Um, but earlier on, he said, what was it here? Um, let me not be put to shame. He said that in verse two, but then in verse three, indeed, none who wait for you shall be put yeah. to shame, yeah. right? And so the, the whole while he is both making his request known to God, but also stating his faith. And redeeming, that, yeah, the redeeming the, the, faith. Yeah, right, that the request is going to be granted. But it's almost an exclamation point in 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, like, right be, be, because we know, um, regardless of the changing circumstances of the individual, God's not going to forget Israel. And so there, there's the faith, you know, because God has, has sworn to, to protect Israel, to redeem Israel, He's going to redeem David. It's kind of this yeah. inescapable conclusion. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny because I, you know, when as a pastor, I 
give the absolution in a service, it, it doesn't sound like it includes me, right? Because mm-hmm. right. and, and yet it does. So it, you know, it's, uh, David is doing that as well. Right. Well, I mean, and, and so we should consider then. So for ourselves, right? Um, you know, here's David who's saying like, okay, well, you know, because I am, you know, king of Israel, um, I know that God is going to redeem me. So like, how do we, where's the logic, I guess, of that, like that we can have this confidence for our own individual selves. Um, Certainly we're not kings over Israel, or perhaps there's a sense in which we do participate in the kingship of Israel. What do you think? I mean, I think we are when we, in our ordination, if you will, we are standing in the stead. I mean, the words say in the stead and by the command, right? So we are in the stead of the king, the the king that David is merely a forerunner of, the King Yeshua. And, uh, and so in his stead, we forgive, but we are also forgiven. <laughs> Right. Well, and um, that's that's. Uh, I like that you bring up those words. Right in the the old phrase that we use um, in divine service setting three, like in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. Um, and another another very connected phrase um, besides in the stead of right is in the name of. Yeah. In some ways, they mean exactly the same thing. And isn't that what we all say, um, or what we all have said for us when we're baptized mm. in the name of? the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, we don't just have the name of, of or title, you might say, of being king of Israel, but we have the name of God himself placed on every single one of us. Yeah, amen. And so in in that sense, you know that um I mean what what did what did he say, right? It was like um he actually says it here. It's for your name's sake back in verse mm-hmm. 11, the kind of that turning point. That's kind of about halfway through the whole thing for your name's sake. And it's like you know that God is not going to suffer, um, you know, shame and defeat for his own name. And so if we have his name on him, you don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, amen. Yep. Well, brother, so good always um, having you on and very nice to take a look at a, a psalm like this in the midst of, like I said, all those oracles against the nations. But looking forward to having you on uh, again soon for looking at some Isaiah. Thank you. I look forward to that. Blessings to you. Yeah, blessings and, again, happy anniversary. Everybody, that was Pastor Kevin Parviz, pastor of Congregation Chayva Shalom in St. Louis. Thanks for tuning in today. We are going to get back into Isaiah tomorrow. We uh, thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Till next time, peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.